We're on a series called Revealing Jesus, and we've been going on since October last year, and it's been so exciting. I'm only on chapter 4 of, of uh, John. It's been uh, almost a year now, but it's so good that we can reveal and see see the character, see the works, see the life of Jesus through the eyes of the Gospel of John. And it's been so powerful that we've been able to see so many different aspects of Jesus, so many different parts of his character. Um, and I'm also more excited to see that the team are going to continue that on. Raquel's on next week, and I think Yvonne's on the week after. No, maybe Athena. Someone's on it the week after. <laughs> but it's exciting that they're going to continue on the series of John and uh, just to see where the Lord's taking us and, and seeing the different flavors come through. But with, with the Gospel of John, we've got to remember that there's one main purpose, and that is that we believe. And we're talking about we believe. The theme seems to be we believe. We're going to carry that through. And it's believing in Jesus Christ. And by believing, we have eternal life. But believing in the Gospels isn't just going, well, I believe, Lord. It's actually salvation. That's what believing means in the Gospels or in, in the New Testament. So with that in mind, um, we're going to look at two different contrasts here this morning. Two different contrasts of how people responded to Jesus. And in these two, uh, these two stories that I'm going to read out in, at the end of John chapter 4 and the beginning of John chapter 5, we're going to see two different responses. Two people getting healed, but the two different responses that we see and is quite common and we can see even in our modern day life. Um, so uh, just to give you a brief background of where, where we got up to, Jesus, he's just spent two days in Samaria. And uh, if you remember, I've been on the, the Samaritan woman three times now. We watched the video. It's a bit of a bit of a, 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 an update or a, a, a refresher, and we continued on. And where they landed was they realized and they saw that Jesus, he was the Messiah, he was the Savior of the world. Their eyes were completely opened, and they were completely transformed, and their whole village was completely transformed because they believed in the Savior. They embraced that truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Then we pick up in verse 43. Finally, verse 43, we're nearly there. So we'll get right into it. Um, so John 4, 43 to 45. So after two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival. For they had, they also had gone to the festival. So Jesus, he leaves from Samaria and he travels to Galilee, which I think was about 70 kilometers on foot. Okay. But unlike the Samaritans that witnessed Jesus and they confessed him as Lord and Savior, the Galileans just saw Jesus as a healer and a miracle worker. They couldn't see beyond that. And a, a few chapters earlier in chapter 2, we see that the Galileans, and what we just saw in the Scripture, that the Galileans were in Jerusalem when they saw Jesus driving out and cleansing the temple, if you remember that. And that speaks of a spiritual and a physical cleansing that comes out of Isaiah, where God promises that the Messiah will come and cleanse the temple, cleanse the hearts of the people and wash the people. And they witnessed this. They witnessed many miracles. John, John chapter 2 said that many, many signs were given. Many miracles actually happened in Jerusalem. And these guys saw all of this. They saw everything that was going on. 
But unlike the Samaritans, they didn't honor or believe him for being the Messiah. See, the miracles that Jesus did was a sign that he's God. They were a sign that Jesus' message was completely true. They were a sign that he can take away the sins to all that believe in him and enter God's kingdom. But many people were only interested in the signs, right? They wanted to see the miracles, but they didn't care about the real thing. They didn't care about what the, who was doing the miracles and who, what was he about. And they didn't care that all these signs and miracles were actually pointing to one thing, that Jesus was the Messiah and is the Messiah. They wanted the physical healings, they wanted the miracles, but they didn't think about anything else. They didn't think about the thing that was way more important, that Jesus could actually give them eternal life and freedom. See, the Galileans were more interested in the miracles of Jesus. They weren't like the Samaritans that recognized Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't really want change in their lives. They just wanted their needs to be met. So Jesus, he goes to Galilee, he challenges a Galilean to go a step further. So, and we look at the response uh, and, and how this unfolds. So in, in chapter 4 and, 30, and 46, we keep going. He went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea and Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, since he was about to die. So Jesus already had that reputation in Galilee. And everybody knew that if you go to this man, he's going to heal. They knew that the water had turned into wine, and I'm sure they enjoyed it. And they, they knew what Jesus was capable of. And this royal official, he hears about Jesus and what he can do, and he races over to go and find him, which, by the way, is a 40-kilometer journey, whether by foot or horseback, whoever knows. But he took the two-day, 40-kilometer journey to get there, which uh, some people sometimes don't even want to get out of bed. So, <laughs> see, this was not a new thing back then, and it's not a new thing now. People, they were desperate in their sickness. They were desperate in their afflictions. And when they heard that there was a miracle, or a miracle worker, miracle maker, that when they heard that it was in town, uh, they would go to him. And usually it's without any intent to repent of their sins, without any intent to bow their knee to Christ without any intent to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going, to get to that. I'm going to get to that a little bit later. So this royal official only comes to Jesus for a need, just like every other Galilean that was hanging off him and trying to get something. He had a problem. He had a genuine problem. His son was about to die. That's, that's a pretty genuine need, hey? So in John 4.48, Jesus told him, Unless people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. I'm like, and I thought, wow. So I'm going to Jesus, hey, hey, I want the healing. And he's like, unless you believe, you, all you want to do is to see signs and wonders. And it's like, it's, it would have been a big rebuke. And the guy could have just gone, well, stuffed that, you know, walked away. But despite all of that, uh, Jesus, and, 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 and thinking about it and, and reading up on why Jesus would have done it like that, he would have recognized that this guy had a need for a miracle. He didn't have a need for a savior. But in desperation, this man continues and he ignores the rebuke and he keeps pressing on. He continues to plead with Jesus. And he says in verse 49, Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Jesus responds, 
Go, Jesus told him. Your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. So Jesus, he is moved by need. Jesus is moved with compassion. And he heals the man's son. So this royal official, even in the midst of his desperation, he hears the words of Jesus and he believes it. And just seconds before rushing over to Jesus, he would have been in a panic mode. My my son, my son, my son's going to die. Come, quick, come, come and beg. Come, come, come and heal, come. And But after hearing the words of Jesus, it's amazing that he calms down. He just calmed down. He believed them, calmed down and said, okay, okay. He stops pleading, stops begging, and he just goes back home. Two-day journey, 40 kilometers away. He trusted the words of Jesus. See, and that's the definition of real faith right there. And what's faith? Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the assurance of things hopeful, the conviction of things not seen. And without seeing a miracle, this man, he takes off on a two-day journey believing that his son will be healed, going back home. Anyway, we continue in John 4, 51 to 54. While he was still going down, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked them, at what time did he get better? Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. They answered, the father realized this, this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came to Judea, to Galilee. So this royal official took the next step beyond the healing. He took the next step beyond the miracle. He heard the words of Jesus. He saw the miracle power and the working of Jesus. And he took the next step for salvation. This was enough for him to see that Jesus is more than a healer or a prophet. He is the Lord himself. He understood that he was the Christ, the Savior of the world, just like the Samaritans. The man and his entire household believed Jesus is the Savior. His heart was open to believe. He turned his and his household's life to Christ. So then in the next chapter, we're going to see another completely different contrast to all of that. That was really nice, beautiful, lovely ending. Everything went well. He believed, he came out of religious thing, the Galileans and the Jews and all of this stuff against him. But he was desperate. God met his need. He went a step further and he got saved and his family got saved and transformed. Then we see in the next chapter, starting at uh, John 5 uh, from verse 1, a completely different response to Jesus. So we see after, after this, a Jewish, a Jewish festival took place. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool called Beth- Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, 
and started to walk. So this man had been paralyzed for 38 years. He's waiting next to a pool. He had superstitious belief. I mean, this pool didn't really have healing powers. It's sort of like, you know, the, uh, the, a lot of scholars say in Jerusalem there was a lot of artisan-fed waters, so those heated pools, and they, they had some sort of therapeutic benefits, but there was no real healing power. Remember, I went to Moree, eight hours away. I don't know if you've ever been to Moree. It's northwest of here. And they've got this really famous artisan pools. And uh, I took my parents there, I don't know, probably about 10 years ago or so, and... Um, Mate, there was such a huge lineup of people trying to get into these tiny little pools. I didn't even go in. I had, I had other business to do at the time, but my, I left my parents there. And that's it. It was beautiful. The bubbles coming up, nice, beautiful water, hot, natural, pretty cool, very therapeutic. So every time these guys, they, 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 they believed in this superstition that every time the bubble watered at this pool, they got to quickly jump in. There's an angel going to heal us. That's what they were believing. But when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? The man thought that Jesus was going to actually put him in the pool. But Jesus had different plans. And once again, Jesus moved by his needs. He shows compassion and love. And with one word, instantly, the man's healed. He displayed the power of God, pointing to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah or is the Messiah. Then he continues, John 5, 1 to 9. Now that day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well took me, uh, told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man that told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was, because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. You would think that these religious leaders would be rejoicing with this crippled man, eh? <laughs> you would think that this man, after 38 years, at a pool, these religious leaders that would have been looking at this bloke for 38 years would have gone, oh, you're healed. Oh, wow, glory to God. But they didn't. All they can do and all they can think about was rebuke the man for carrying this mat. All they can do was rebuke this man for breaking the law on the Sabbath. And they, they wanted to track down this healer and go, well, how dare this guy heal on the Sabbath? He's breaking the law. See, man-made religion is a dangerous thing. It perverts the Word of God to suit people's needs. You see, Sabbath was given by God. Yes, it was given by God. We see it in Exodus 20, where, and it says it a few times after that, but it starts in Exodus 20. Where Jesus or where God talks about the, the Sabbath and, and it continues on in Deuteronomy. But God's law is perfect. God's law is always perfect. You look at what Jesus said. What fulfills the whole law? Old Testament, New Testament. It's love. And against love, nothing can turn against love. God's law was always perfect. And Jesus said, love God and love people. That fulfills all the law. But, and this Sabbath time was perfect again. It was meant to be a time of rest. It was meant to be a time of relaxation. It was meant to be a time of enjoyment. The only thing that they weren't meant to do was do normal work. 
or any type of commerce, any type of commerce, any type of business. They weren't allowed to do that. And they had to rest. But the Jewish leaders, they added dozens and dozens of all these other little laws attached to the Sabbath law. And they, 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 they put pressure on everybody and they bound everyone with these commands. So instead of this perfect law being a good day, it ended up being a bad day for everybody. So every Sabbath, you can't even like pick your nose on the Sabbath. Forget about it. Here comes the, uh, the, the police. Imagine the police coming for picking your nose. They come for everything else. No, I'm joking. They're very good. Thank you. The police are very good. Thank you very much. They protect everyone. <laughs> See, religion or religious leaders turn things into a burden to demonstrate their own self-righteousness. And they bring down anybody else that does not conform to it. Human religions, they all work the same. They use fear, threats to keep people under submission, under a religious man-made system. And it's, I'm talking about Christianity too. I'm not going to go that far. We'll stop right there. We need to remember that God frees people. God does not burden people. People burden people. God is a freeing God. He loves freedom. And because of this man-made imposed religious burden, this crippled man could not see past this healing. He could not even celebrate this miraculous thing that just happened to him. Instead, he was burdened. Burdened after 38 years of standing up and you're burdened. Man, would you look at that? Some of us are great, healed, body is good, burdened, all these things on us, these religious things that we put on our, on our shoulders that God does not put on. People put that on. God's laws are perfect. God is perfect. God is a God of love. So he was stuck under this religious system and he missed the Messiah. Man, he missed the Messiah. He missed the opportunity for salvation and freedom. Man, religious leaders have a lot to answer to when they, when they get to heaven, if they go to heaven. So we, we see this playing out as the story continues. John 5, 14 to 16. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Shocking, eh? Rather than glorifying God for his healing and seeing Jesus as the Messiah and turning to follow him for eternal life and freedom, this man goes back to his old religious ways, old religious system, and he sides with the Jewish leaders and gives up Jesus. See, this man had met his needs. For 38 years, he was crippled, bondage. He was happy to get his healing. But even in the face of compassion, even in the face of the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, and this amazing miracle that had just happened to his life, he shows no gratitude. He shows no intent to worship God, no intent to follow Jesus, no intention to surrender his life to Christ. And because of that, 
He couldn't see Jesus as the Christ, the living God, and he couldn't experience his transformational power. See, he got what he needed. He got what he needed. Then he just went back to his old ways. I got what I needed. He couldn't see beyond it. And it's sad, isn't it? As Christians, we do the same thing sometimes, don't we? We seek all the breakthroughs. We seek all the healings. We seek all the prosperity that God can give us, all the blessings. We get what we need. We get comfortable in life. Everything's fantastic. Everything's beautiful. We keep turning up to church. We fulfill our religious duties. We seek God for our needs. Then we go home. Many remain stuck in their own religious ways and selfish lifestyles. Many remain in their own view of Christianity. Oh man, there's so many views of Christianity. So many. So many excuses of why they can sin. So many excuses of why we keep doing what we're doing and allow ourselves to keep doing what we're doing, what feels right. Many of us even stick to our old superstitions. Right? Our old ways of thinking. Oh, I better not say talk good because... uh Something bad might happen. I better talk bad so something good can happen. All right? Don't walk under a ladder. It's a, something's going to happen. I'm going to get cursed. All these different things. All these different ideas. All these different, something happens to us. A blessing happens. But don't talk about it. If I talk about it, it, it might be taken away from me. Come on, really? It, it's, we think that sometimes, right? All these different ideas and views of Christianity, views of our faith, views of what we believe, binding us down, locking us up, burdening us, not able to be free, not able to celebrate the joy of our salvation, not able to celebrate. <laughs> Even when the power of God touches our lives, we can't celebrate. Oh, praise the Lord. Even when the power of God touches our lives, many just go back to their old ways. We go on living our own way, not really honoring God, not really following Christ, not even surrendering their life to Christ. And the unfortunate reality is that many will not truly connect with God, will not truly connect with Christ and experience that transformational power or that transformational power of Christ. See, what's funny, if you look at the two contrasts in both of these stories, with the royal official son and the crippled man, God was compassionate and loving to both. He met both their needs. In both these stories, they both obeyed Christ and they had faith, right? The royal official heard the words of Jesus. He had faith and he went home. The crippled man heard Jesus tell him to get up. He had faith and he stood up. He had to have a bit of faith there. They both saw God's healing power in their lives because of their faith. But only one looked beyond their need and truly followed Christ. Only one saw the truth. Only one saw Jesus as the Savior. Only one experienced the transformational power of God's salvation. You see... Jesus will meet your needs. Jesus loves you. Jesus, he knows you. He knows what you need. If you ask him, 
He will give you what you need if you believe. But it doesn't stop there. Our Christianity does not stop there. Our faith in Christ is far more than just needs being met. Our faith in Christ is far more than just blessings and miracles. Jesus wants to completely transform your life as you follow him with all of your heart, your mind and your strength. Every one of us has a choice to make. We can choose life or we can choose death, as it says in Deuteronomy. We can choose superficial faith like that crippled man. It's a form of faith. It's a form of religion, but there's no power behind it. We can, that need was still met. Jesus still met his needs, but he was still in fear and bondage, stuck in religion. Or we can choose genuine faith and transformation like that royal official. Yes, in both instances, Christ does heal. Yes, in both instances, Christ does meet our needs. He loves you. He loves us. But let's not be deceived to thinking that we have arrived when we have a need met. And sometimes if you get proud, hey, oh God, God healed me. I must be doing something right. Right? And all, all of a sudden it becomes about me, not about Christ. Right? I must be doing something. What did I do again? Is he going to follow that same pattern? So I can keep getting my healing. <laughs> Funny enough, oh, I did that, you know, it's like, well, Give me a formula. That seemed to work. I just need a formula for my faith just so I can, you know, progress in my Christianity. Well, not really. That wasn't really what was happening. Progressing in religion, potentially, yes, but not in relationship, no. See, Jesus challenges every Christian today like that royal official. He challenged that royal official and he challenges you today. Go beyond your need that's being met. Go beyond it. We prayed for needs. Go beyond that need. Follow Christ with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Christ wants his children to connect with him, to love him, to follow him, and be satisfied by him. Christ wants his children to live life to the fullest completely free of any guilt, shame, religious burdens, bondages. Christ wants us to follow him with all of our minds, all of our hearts, all of our strength and experience that genuine transformation, transformational power of his salvation. There's freedom when you believe in Christ. There's freedom when you genuinely follow him. Complete freedom and needs and in his spirit. So let's bow our heads right now and close our eyes. And I invite the worship team to come up. We thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord. We open up our heart and our minds to hear what you're saying to us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word this morning, God. It's always an honor to hear your word and to respond. We thank you for what you did, Jesus. Thank you for all that you did. We thank you, Jesus, that you meet our needs. 
but you go beyond meeting our needs. Jesus, you set us free. Free from bondage, free from fears, free from religion. Jesus, set us free. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the Messiah, the Christ, Savior. We thank you for your transformational power to those that believe. Father, give us a desire in our hearts to thirst for you, to look for you, to hunger for you. Let us seek you with all of our heart, mind, and strength. Let us find you in our seeking. Let us connect with you in a genuine, real, honest way. Let us be real with ourselves and real with you. We face you face to face. And we thank you so much for your love, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. We thank you so much that even though sometimes we don't get it, even though sometimes we might even be stuck in a religious pattern, God, your love, your compassion meet our needs. And we thank you so much, the Lord, that you that we go beyond that need and seek you genuinely. Seek you with relationship, with a heart to find you, pursues you. We thank you, Lord, that you'll transform the spirit of our minds to think different to see different, to act different. We thank you for the peace of God in our souls that we can have a complete assurance, complete confidence in our salvation. We thank you, Father.